I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome into episode 10 of the flagship. Taylor Estes, managing editor of Horns 24-7. Merry Christmas. How you doing? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas to you too, Chip. You ready for uh, Santa to come to your house? And I have done some shopping. I've I've bought some stuff, but now I gotta wrap it. Does anyone like wrapping? <laughs> I actually kind of do personally, but really? I'm a little OCD, so I think that's why. Like I like making it like perfect. <laughs> Oh, man, I will pay you to wrap my presents. (laughs) Unfortunately, Uh, I've already made my trip back to California to visit my family uh, for the holidays here. So I'm working remotely, so I won't be able to do that for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, fine. Fine. (laughs) Um, Okay, so it is uh, it's December 11th. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we're two weeks from Christmas. We are a week from signing day. We are in the middle of the second week of Tom Herman's search for two new coordinators and two receivers coaches. And it's been a lot of silence coming. You know, we're still getting black smoke out of the Vatican. We're waiting for the white smoke to come out, uh, Taylor, so that we find out who the new offensive and defensive coordinator are at Texas. But I was told yesterday... Uh, by source Tom Herman is in no rush and he at that time apparently felt like the recruiting was solid going into signing day didn't want to upset the apple apple cart so this is a double-edged sword we saw it with Malik Jefferson back when he was being recruited by Texas and Texas A&M right and he had Kevin Sumlin coming to his home for an in-home visit and Malik told us later he was expecting to hear from Kevin Sumlin either in a whisper or in some, you know, a note or smoke signals or something who the defensive coordinator was going to be. He said that never happened during the in-home visit. And he felt like in, in Kevin Sumlin never explained anything to him right. about why he wasn't going to tell him or what his search was or anything and it, it he said I didn't feel like I could trust him and I ended up going to Texas right yes so, yeah it's funny you bring that up yeah yeah I mean it's it's a double-edged sword right that uh that Tom Herman might might be waiting to make any kind of announcement until after signing day yeah I mean I, I totally agree with that you know I think that and the other thing that throws a little bit of a wrinkle into the situation is the NCAA transfer portal option being so easy. Now, I'm not really familiar with how it would work if players have just signed their letter of intent but haven't enrolled in the university. But if it's an if it's an option, you know, that's something that Tom has to deal with as well. You know, if he's – that's with whoever he hires, I think, with assistant coaches – or with the – I'm sorry, the coordinators, and then with the current assistant coaches. You know, I mean, those are the guys that have the best relationship – with um with these recruits and with these commits you know tom has a 
you know, obviously goes in, in home and kind of shakes hands and kisses babies and stuff like that. But like the, the coaches who have been on the phone, you know, recruiting these guys at their high schools for years are the assistant coaches. So, you know, that's something also that like back in the day, they didn't really have to worry about that too much, like where it's such an easy option for players to opt out of their commitment to a university, whether they're current players or recruits. You know, I think that's something also to keep in mind when, when Tom is, you know, looking for this, this next um, coordinator and his next staff is, you know, these guys, how many of these guys are going to stick around. But the thing, you know, Chip, one thing with that, you know, with Malik Jefferson, while he wanted to know, I still think Kevin Sumlin did the right thing by not just rushing to hire to get one recruit. You know, I think that he, Tom Herman has to make this hire right. Like his future at the University of Texas, these hires right. His future at the University of Texas depends on him hiring the right guys that are going to right the ship, um, you know, because the expectations were at all-time high coming off that Sugar Bowl. You know, none of these coaches could do any wrong, and then all of a sudden they're all on either they've already been fired or on the chopping block. So, you know, we we talked about it last week. Um, When you start firing coordinators, there's only so many people to point the blame on without all the fingers coming back to you. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I think that this is a, it's a tricky time. Um, but if Tom doesn't have the, the right guys right now that are ready to jump aboard, you know, he, he, can't, he can't be tossing names out to guys, you know, in the house, in the home visits and stuff. So it'll be, it's just going to be interesting to see. Right, right. He's got to play poker. Mm-hmm. Got to play really good poker at this point. Right. Uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of questions this week at Horns 24-7. And if you're not a member at Horns 24-7, uh, get over there because we're, um, you know, we're constantly, um, you know, answering questions about everything going on with the search. And people are asking me, do you think Tom Herman already has his offensive and defensive coordinators locked up and is just waiting to announce them? And... I don't think so. Right. I maybe one, but um, I I think maybe one, not both. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we wait um, because look, it's tricky. Anytime you've just fired your two coordinators, and there are members of the coaching staff who are still working but don't know if they're going to be retained. That can be a toxic situation. Right. It can be a toxic situation for the assistant coaches. It can be a, a toxic situation for the current roster. I mean, coaches are out right now recruiting like crazy leading up to signing day on December 18th. And the the players have been going through finals. Then they'll do some workouts um, and start bowl practice here at the end of the week. Uh, but then they'll get a little... Um, you know, break here, I guess it, what, not for two weeks, but they'll, they'll put in two good weeks of bowl practice. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a tenuous time right now. And Tom Herman's got to hold it all together. I think he's getting a lot of help from a guy like Brian Carrington, mm-hmm. who's sort of the personality of the whole operation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's a, uh, you know, he's relatable to some of these recruits because he's a younger guy. 
Um, you know, he's the one that they kind of report to when they're on campus. So he has those relationships. You know, the thing with Brian Carrington, he doesn't necessarily have the relationships with the parents that, the, like, the assistant coaches would have. But still, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, this this worked in Texas' favor when they did it. Um, when he, you know, when the 10th assistant rule came out and he was allowed to go on the recruiting trail, I think that helped him a lot. And so he, uh, but they have their work cut out for them because, you know, I'm sorry, like from everything that I'm hearing, these, these coaches are sitting in, in home with these recruits, with these commits, and they're being asked, what is this man's future? And, you know, Tom's telling guys that, you know, I'm going to strongly suggest that these guys are retained, but that's not, you know, making many people feel all warm and fuzzy, I don't think, at this point. And so it's going to be, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge. It's a lot different than when the last time when Brian Carrington went on the road, you know, it was just to add another body on the road. This time it's to try to, you know, save this recruiting class that I believe is ranked seventh currently in the 24-7 composite team rankings. So, It's going to be interesting. You know, the one thing that I just feel that people need to watch with the this coordinator search is I think that the longer this goes out, plays out, the more likely the you know leading candidate that we have all heard has been Graham Harrell. The more likely it's probably not going to be him. You know, I think that that's something that Texas fans are going to have to really pay attention to. And um, you know, from there, you wonder it's back to the drawing board, who, who it's going to be. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that for sure. But with that, let's bring in Bobby Burton to do the rapid fire segment with uh, Chip Brown and get his input on what is going on at Texas and the recruiting impacts of it. Godfather, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Chip? Hey, man. Merry Christmas. I mean, what are we? Uh, we're 14 days away from Christmas, two weeks. So we'll have another podcast before then. But, um, you know, are you in the Christmas spirit at this point? Ho, ho, ho. Yes, he is, folks. <laughs> he is in the Christmas spirit. By gum. All right. Well, um, right now, I'm sure Texas Longhorns fans, our members here at Horns 24-7, and those listening who are not members of Horns247.com, what are you waiting for? Come join our Christmas party um, and, uh, and join the family. But, Bobby, I'm sure our members at Horns 24-7 would love a little early Christmas present, like knowing who their offensive and defensive coordinator is going to be. Today we learned that Tim Beck, who is now the quarterback's coach for Texas, at least through the bowl game, no longer the offensive coordinator, is um, possibly in the mix for the Lamar head coaching job, and he is interested in that job. Um, I don't know when people will be listening to this podcast. Uh, that whole thing may have been resolved by the time they listen, but nonetheless, uh, I'm sure our, our members would love to know who the offensive and defensive coordinator uh, are going to be. So let me, let me pose the question to you this way. If the search goes long past December 18th, the uh, national signing day, the beginning of national signing day, now that it's a, a three day event, um, what kind of impact do you think that can have and, and already has had? I mean, we've seen a couple of decommitments, but I, I'd like you to put those into perspective, too. I'll just throw all that onto your uh, onto your sleigh. OK, yeah. You know, you're going to track me with NORAD. I am. Um, no, I want to know I think, when you're coming to my chimney. 
you gotta you, you gotta have kids to know that reference, right? Oh yeah, baby. You know, tracking Santa Claus by Norad at Christmas Eve. Hey, um, so my my take on it is it's really kind of simple, and it's it's a hundred percent revolves around the entirety of the recruiting class and whether or not he's able to keep it together in, in pretty much intact. I mean, on the day that he announced the changes, particularly with Todd Orlando moving uh, moving on or firing Todd Orlando, Van Fillinger, defensive tackle from uh, Utah, decommitted. That is the only decommitment until here recently. It's, it, I don't think he's done it officially, but he's getting ready to, and that's Ty Jordan running back out of the Metroplex is going to decommit. Well, if those are the only two that decommit, I don't see this as some huge rush to make a decision situation uh, with, uh, with the coordinators such that it's actually going to hurt Texas in an irreparable fashion. Um, and so I look at that and I actually say, you know what, Herman's done a pretty good job um, at managing the situation and getting out and getting in front of the kids so that he could actually uh, have this runway, so to speak, of, of hiring people. Um, that all being said, you know, the proof is in the pudding. He expects, if not all, the majority of the class to sign early, which I think now there are 16 commitments. Texas is having another kid in this weekend out of Longview uh, and a, another defensive lineman. And it, so if he has 17 sign early, I get it. But if he doesn't, and say the only 10 or 9 or 8 sign early and the rest are waiting for um, the, the other coaches to be named, then he's going to have to re-recruit those kids all over again, and that may put Texas behind the eight ball for the class of 2021. Um, all of this being said, I think that a lot of the success he's had on the trail right now is due in large part to not only him, but also guys like Brian Carrington, um, who is a typically a director of ops guy, uh, player personnel, but um, is instead out on the trail and, and has a prior relationship with a lot of these kids and has, has led that for Texas. And so uh, that has actually been um, well received. And so I look at it, Chip, in a, in a way that because he's created this, uh, I don't want to say goodwill, but because he's created this solidarity amongst recruits, um, it's actually given him time to really go through and, and do this coaching search. If it is a true coaching, coaching search, as far as we know, he could have both of these guys hired, and we just don't know yet. In, in one way, I, I think one way people could look at it. Um, I, I think that right now the number or the issues with uh, recruiting are minimal. Um, I think that they could crop up in the next seven days. We're seven days away from the that next signing period. Um, and so we'll know here here soon. But as of right now, I think that he couldn't be in much better position. If, if he would have been told this a week and a half ago when he let go of Todd Orlando and reassigned Tim Beck, that he would still have all but two commitments that he had, depending on who they were, he would have said yes. And I think the two commitments that he's, he's losing are, are among the ones that he could afford to lose. So, I mean, I, smelling like a rose, no, but in, in okay shape, yes. Um, Bobby, Brian Carrington, 
you've seen the recruiting game evolve um, to where you have a position now that's an on-campus recruiter, and I believe Brian's title is director of recruiting um, because they've needed to give him a raise. This guy seems like the super glue to me of of their recruiting. I mean, I think he's that important. Am I wrong? What and what what role? Um, how valuable is Brian Carrington in your mind right now uh, for Tom Herman as he's in this transition? Well, I, I, I think that's a, a good point, Chip. I think it ebbs in, his value ebbs and flows based on the, the need for him, right? Um, and right now, the, the value is ultra high. <clears throat> that doesn't mean I think he's not helpful in the off periods, too. So I, I, I just I feel like, to your point, he is the one that's that's out there helping direct the recruiting efforts in some level at some level of guys that are in situations that are somewhat tenuous based on their uh, coaches coaching situations. Um, At the same time, I mean, you've got Tom Herman out there that's done a really good job with a guy like Jaquindon Jackson, Um, you know, sits with his mom for an entire game in the, the stands this weekend and does a really nice job. With, with the parents and the kid comes off the field yelling for Tom Herman. You know, I, I think smart I move think by that, Tom Herman. Yeah, my- no, no doubt. And, and so was hiring Brian Carrington. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, look, I, you and I have, have seen the negative impact of not having enough staff for Mac Brown, who one time his son-in-law was actually the de facto <laughs> recruiting coordinator. And, and just exactly how bad that was. And then I needed that you, you, you transfer. Well, you transfer to, to Charlie Strong, who brought in Mike Gilio. And I think Mike's terrific. Um, but they're still understaffed, in my opinion, to where Herman now has a, a small army with with Carrington, Derek Chang and and all those guys, Bob Shipley, even for the, the walk on group. And it it creates uh, greater stability when there is some instability from an outward perspective. Does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah. I think, um, and so you have these, these situations, these guys for situations exactly like this. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where they end up, but I definitely think that, uh, Brian Carrington has proven his worth that as a, uh, as a, uh, Texas, uh, ambassador, so to speak. And, he, he will continue to do so as long as he's in that role, because I think that um, he connects uh, not only with kids, but also with parents. And I think that's that's something everybody that is in this recruiting game, so to speak, needs to be able to do. And it's not just you're not just selling the kid. You're selling the, 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 the parents as well. And you're selling the university that you have to speak for. And uh, I, I think Brian's done a, a terrific job. And. Uh, you know, frankly, so is Tom Herman in many respects the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see how they're able to to keep it up here over the next seven days. Yeah, the class at number seven after back to back top three classes, the class number seven uh, right now in the 24 seven composite team rankings. So uh, another top 10 class at the moment. Um, Bobby, you and I both watched Mac Brown bring in a guy like Dick Tomey. Mm. Uh, when right, really right in the heart of right when the program was getting ready to, to take off, uh, toward the national championship. 
and and Dick Tomey, who at the time was the all-time winningest coach at Hawaii and Arizona when Mac hired him, um, proved to be this incredible influence on the staff. He brought his team building to Texas where he had all the position groups get together and tell their life story, players and assistant coaches, so that they really got to know each other and understand. And, and you know, you talk about doing it for the guy next to you. Well, they really got to know the guy next to him, and it, I felt like it brought them together in a way that, you know, helped launch that 04, 05 run. Um, I feel like Tom Herman needs to bring a guy like that in with this changeover. Um, not necessarily a coordinator, but someone in the room that just brings this gravitas and calming effect <laughs> who's seen it all, sort of. Am I crazy for thinking that or what? Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. Crazy is not the right word. It's that, that you know, Dick Tomey's don't grow on trees in the College Football Hall of Fame, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, God so, yeah, I mean, I look, and, and he not only left. Texas, I think he went on to San Jose State and immediately won a bowl game. I, um, so I, I guess this is just uh, file well, this away. Okay, I'll then t- I'll, 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 let me tell a personal. Now, let me tell a personal story. Really okay. Quick, okay. First of all, when I first got into this business back in 1992-93, Dick Tomey was at Arizona, and one of the first friends I made as a recruiting analyst was the recruiting coordinator at the University of Arizona, a guy named Rob Ionello. Rob has gone on. He's was ended up being the recruiting coordinator at uh, Wisconsin, at Notre Dame, head coach at Akron, and I think now he's at at the uh, University of Buffalo. Long story short, Rob invited me out there, um, and I went out there a couple different times. And uh, for, I, I had a, my college roommate actually went to grad school at Arizona, so I'd combine the trips. And um, Dick Tomey was a special human, I, I, and I say that. Because I went, I went during games, and I saw how he interacted with his players on game day, and I saw his day-to-day demeanor in the office, and um, those guys are really, really rare. Um, it, it's it is it's a rare breed, and so can he bring in someone that has that sort of, as you put it, gravitas? I think so, but who? I mean, they just aren't out there, Chip. I mean, they. Um, well, most so, of those guys are still head coaches. Let me you know? throw a let me throw a name out that was there with Dick Tomey and a guy that we've reported is helping Tom Herman advise Greg Davis. Yeah, Heck. no, no, I think that's different because Greg was never, Greg was never the, the the. I I hear what you're saying. And I, I think Greg Davis is a, a tremendous guy, a good coach, all of those things, and, and was a tremendous reason why Texas ended up with, with the run it did from 2000 to 2010. The, um, the issue and the difference isn't that he doesn't have the experience. It's that, it, it's that Tommy is a different guy that really asks more of people than they think they're capable of giving. And that's not really that kind of mentality that, that Tommy brought to the, to the table is not the, 
what Greg Davis is about. Greg is that's true. Is is more about scheming and trying to figure out personnel groups and what works and and, and so I'm not. I don't think it's not that Greg doesn't have the same uh, level of football knowledge or even greater. It's it's not that. It, you mentioned team building and glue and things like that. And you know, Dick Tomey had few peers. I mean, you want to get. Let's ask Bill Snyder to be an assistant. That though, that kind of guy would be right. interesting to me. You know, well, what and about so this? What about yeah, this you're not going to get Bill Snyder. Right. So right. My, no, that's true. That that's. I just feel like you're. At some level, you know, I, I think I, I'll tell you. Well, hold on a second. Let me, I'll, let me, I'll tell let you me, something. Dalvo Sweeney has a guy named Woody McCorvey that is his director of ops. Um, that is is that guy for him, just so you know. Well, and that um, may so. be what I'm looking for because I feel like, and I don't know Fernando Lovo. I don't spend time with him. He might be the perfect director of ops for Tom Herman. But Fernando Lovo's 29 years old. I mean, Fernando Lovo is this young guy who's probably indebted to Tom Herman for giving him that job. Whereas a Greg Davis can tell Tom when he's maybe burning a little too hot, when he's maybe burning just right, tell him when his slip is showing, tell him when he's he's right on point. Um so you're talking and, more of an elder state yeah, than yeah, you are elder necessarily elder unity states, yes. bonding type stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I get elder it. statesman. And maybe, you know, I thought, okay, what about a, a Tim Brewster on the staff? A guy who's been through it all, who's recruited like crazy, who's a big personality that the players are drawn to when, you know, Herman has said in recruiting, I know he says he doesn't say it, but I had three parents tell me he does. So, you know, he tells them, I'm not going to be your friend. I'm going to, try to make you the best football player you can be. Okay, well, the players got to have guys they can relate to. Brewster's that guy. I mean, he's you and I have covered him for years. He's hilarious. He's big. He's brash. He's, you know, he, he and that shouldn't be seen as a threat. That should be seen as a, as a welcome, you know. So, yeah, some elder statesmen, some, some guys who can, you know, tell tell Tom when they think he's right on point and when maybe he's a little off. I hear you. I, I, I don't know what the answer is on that. I don't know that I would have a a strong opinion um, because it, it, here's the issue with that. It would have to be the right person. And so maybe he exists. You know what I mean? Yep. And... Uh, maybe he doesn't, but I, I wouldn't, I just off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that I would say, Hey, that's somebody that he should go hire. I don't think Brewster fits that, but he would have to be an on-field coach. Right. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that he, you know, really would wants to play that necessarily, that role necessarily as, as much as he wants to do some other stuff. So we'd have to see. I mean, and I mentioned those names because they were at Texas when, Tom was a GA, so yeah. they know him. Fair, fair. And yeah. Greg has been a mentor to to Tom throughout his career. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's good I, stuff. I think those are all fair. Those are fair questions. Any other any other uh, thoughts on your mind, Bobby? As we head into the middle of week two of this search. No, I think you know my my question is more to you, and 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 you're obviously 
on this as hard as as anybody and and that's really you know where are we at in the scenario of tom herman and are people wanting to work for him they not wanting to work for him is his job security a problem you know those kind of nuanced pieces that others make decisions on that other um, you know, that other coaches will make their ultimate decision on. Is there anything out there that worries you um, or that you think is uh, prohibitive towards um, him getting the guys that he really wants? Well, I think, I think that is the million dollar question that, uh, that all of us have sort of a sneaky suspicion about, but we won't know until, we hear who he's announcing as his offensive and defensive coordinator. I don't think there's any question that he went right after Graham Harrell. I mean, that, and I was told that's his guy. That's what I was told. So, um, you know, obviously, if there's some understanding that nothing's going to happen until signing day, uh, in part because, what, Tim Beck is helping recruit Jaquindon Jackson or whatever. Um, okay, then we wait. If Graham Harrell is deciding, hey, I interviewed for a couple of head jobs, I didn't get them. I, I, I'm going to stick with the bird I know instead of the the one over there in the bush, um, the bird in hand. Then, and he. You know, he's got good young quarterbacks, whatever, lots of receivers, his offense, Clay Helton leaves him alone and stays at USC. Then I think we got to see where plan B is and how how quickly Tom Herman can audible, because uh, I think there are good candidates out there. But I'm not sure what I think is a good candidate or what our members at Horns 24-7 think is a good candidate matters it's what Tom Herman thinks and the guy who can, who can make it all work. I mean, major Applewhite is available. I mean, and major Applewhite has, has shown at Houston with Greg Ward and um, that he knows how to work Tom Herman's offense and uh, major's been everywhere. I mean, um, and worked for some really hard guys. I mean, (laughs) Todd Graham, uh, Nick Saban, he's working for Nick Saban right now. Uh, so I think, again, it's not what I think. It's what Tom Herman thinks. And, it, you know, if we don't, if we get to the 18th or whatever, the 20th, right after signing day, I think we're at that point where we're expecting announcements. So, so let, me, let, let me say this, okay? Let me, let me give you this question and see how you answer it. Given that we really haven't heard any new names, we really haven't heard any new names, right, on the offensive coordinator search. Some people have right. conjectured, but there's been no new names. So what does right. that tell you? It, it, what, it tells I mean, what me is it? that yeah. he's, he's either still working the Graham Harrell uh, angle or he's, you know, trying to, trying to figure it out. Um, because I've heard that, okay, let's, I've heard Rhett Lashley at SMU 
who has coached with Gus Malzahn and now is with Sonny Dykes. He's got the Malzahn running spread influence in the air raid combo. I've heard he's not a candidate. Okay. Um, obviously, some of the offensive coordinator names have taken other jobs. But, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, um, because we've heard, you know, a few names on the defensive side. I think, well, we reported from the beginning it would, you know, Chris Ash would be in there. That Barry Odom um, and Todd Graham were names to keep an eye on. And I still think it's Chris Ash, but um, you're right. On the offensive side, it's uh, it's been uh, slim pickings. I mean, and, and that's not it, it's not it's not actually slim pickings. That's not the right word. It's just been crickets. Right. And and so because of that, what does that tell you? I mean, that that's my question. Does that tell you anything, or is it reading too much into it? Well, in he, like I said, he could be waiting for Graham Harrell to to make a decision, or he may know what that decision is. Um, but I do think that uh, you know, I I do think that um, you know, this is going to be the interesting thing because he's an offensive guy. Right. You talk to the people that he, you know, at Houston, he was very hands-on. Um, major, you know, was constantly having to sort of juggle that, handle that. And and Tom's very demanding. He's very vocal during practice, critical of his coaches during practice. Um, that word is going to get around. If it's not, if if it's not Harold. It might, I don't know, it might be, it might be difficult for Tom to find someone who is going to come in and, and just run his offense. Then he needs to go find, you know, Sean Gleason, like Gundy did, or Mike Yersich at Shippensburg State, like Gundy did, and, or like LSU did with Joe Brady, you know, bringing a guy to, to kind of um, compliment what Tom Herman does or adds to what Tom Herman does. Um, but if he's going to be hands off, I mean, Graham Harrell, you're going to be hands off. I mean, you're going to talk about things. You're going to talk about, Hey, I want to run the ball. Like Bob Stoops did with Mike Leach. You, you, you handle the passing game, but I want two tight ends and a fullback when we need to pound people. And, you know, Stoops kept that all the way through Lincoln Riley. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, Bobby, because look, there's that reputation out there that Tom's tough. He's tough on assistant coaches and, and, and he just let go of a couple. Um, and I don't know what they're saying out there. You know, I don't know what the word on the, on the trail is. So, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating because Tom is a, he's a different cat. I think we see sense. that in the press conferences. He doesn't really, you know, it's he's not trying to, he's not trying to play the schmooze PR game, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it, I get it. I think that's that's really those are the questions I had. Is you know, given the the, I don't know, want to say the paucity of information here, but really that's what it is. What does that mean? And and I think it means something. I really do. I just don't know. 
exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, he's, uh, I was told yesterday he's in no rush. So, uh, (laughs) there's, uh, there's either a well, uh, calculated plan to keep things under wraps or there is, uh, or he's under no rush or he's under no rush and he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll get through signing day and, and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll see. Hey, Bobby, great stuff as always, my friend. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely, Chip. I'll see you soon. All right. Bobby Burton. There he is, the godfather. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Join now by Dennis Dodd, cbssports.com. He's in the family. Of course, the uh, 24-7 Sports Network owned by CBS. Dennis, great to have you back, man. How are you doing? I know you're going 1,000 miles an hour. Yeah, it's slowing down a little bit uh, with the season over, but then we got to ramp up for the playoff and the Heisman and how many juniors are going to leave and how many guys are going to skip the bowl game. So, yeah, I think your original statement is correct. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's never ending, the coaching carousel. Um, and, you know, when Texas won the national championship, if my memory serves correct, back in the 05 season, you were president of the Football yeah. Writers Association? I was. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. How do you remember that? I mean, <laughs> no, I've got, I've got tons of great useless information up here. Yeah, that, that is truly useless. You're right. Well... <laughs> And I know you're you're active. Uh, obviously, you've been active with the Football Writers Association. So you you wear many hats, my friend, yes. and you do a great job. I appreciate that. So let's uh, let's let's just start off with your initial impressions about Texas, and then we'll get into to some of the 
you know, the coaching carousel stuff in the college football playoff, your thoughts. Of course, Oklahoma back in the college football playoff, five-time Big 12 champ. Um, we'll, we'll get there in a second. But, um, you know, your initial thoughts to Texas finishing the year seven and five and Tom Herman letting go of both coordinators. Yeah, that was, a, that was I guess, a surprise, particularly with Todd Orlando. Those guys had been joined at the hip for a long, long time, and that had to be an emotional decision for, for Tom. Um, but this season sank down so low so quickly that, that something had to be done. I mean, when you fire your coordinators, you know, as they say in the business, they're, they're coming for you next if you don't get better. Um, and I think that's where Tom Herman and Texas are right now. I, I didn't know it would be like this. I thought after 10 and four, we'd all drunk the Kool-Aid, the, you know, the Sam Ellinger Kool-Aid that, that Texas was back. And it, for a variety of reasons, it just didn't happen. Yeah, it uh, certainly was a surprise um, for Texas fans. A couple of those losses to TCU um, and then, you know, the last second loss at Iowa State after taking the lead. Uh, and having the ball and the lead with four minutes left, um, you know, those those losses were tough to handle. Um, but now, so Tom Herman's never fired an assistant, and now he's let go of both coordinators. You know, just based on your, your dealings with Tom, um, what are you expecting in terms of who he fills? You know, not necessarily names, but just what are you expecting in terms of his ability to to replace those coordinators with, with people and get a reset yeah, and, and, and go forward and not have it where next year they're coming for him. Right. And that's the issue because, you know, if you're approaching guys, they got to be sitting there going, okay, I got a multi-year deal here and where am I going to be in a year at Texas if it, this doesn't work out? Um, that's the biggest issue. Now, you know, Graham Harrell's name has come up as offensive coordinator, he's in a similar position at USC where uh, Clay Helton is year to year. We've seen that. Uh, they have to come out and give him a vote of confidence every year. So is is Texas necessarily an upgrade in, in terms of quality of, of living I'm talking about? Just, you know, you don't want to go, you want some sort of stability. And that might be a push, USC versus Texas, if you're going to make that move. Now, money dictates a lot into that. Um, fit dictates a lot into that. I, I talked to Graham Harrell during the season, and he had done a fantastic job. But from the outside, you can see with all those injuries and Keaton Slovis emerging and JT Daniels going down, third-string quarterback. I think we know he can coach a little bit. You know, here's a guy that, you know, two years ago was at North Texas, goes to USC and does well, now might be at Texas, which, again, as I say, might, for him, job quality of job might be a push right now yeah i mean keaton slovis freshman quarterback um, and he finishes the year with 500 yards passing four 100 yard Mm -hmm. receivers um obviously a lot of upside to that situation you get brew mccoy becoming eligible of course yeah brew's been at both texas and usc (laughs) and is yet to play a game dennis but um yeah, it, it, there are some interesting parallels here, aren't there? Yeah, there are. Um, yeah, what day is it? Where's Brew McCoy today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could talk for half an hour on the USC thing. It was, 
you know, they retained Clay Helton 11 days after the season ended. I don't know what they were looking for. I don't know what they were right. um, waiting for. I suspect they were, they, I think they were looking at other coaches, none of whom may have bitten. Um, and that didn't yeah, work so out. So they kept play. Uh, I don't know if that's a safe thing to do there because on just following that on a national scale, they're, they're inviting an insurrection. I have, I have people actively sending me on Twitter pictures of their USC souvenirs. They're going to uh, FedEx back to the athletic director and ask for their money back for starters. Um, it'll be reflected in season ticket sales at a newly remodeled Coliseum, which looks great, but in a very fickle town. Uh, when USC's going good, they're like a pro franchise. And I hate to di divert here, but that's got me going. Uh, but when they're not, they're easily forgotten. So uh, you know, we'll be waiting for Clay Helton's latest uh, you know, latest announcement at the end of next season. Talking to Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, does a great job covering college football. And Oklahoma uh, wins the Big 12, fifth straight year in the college football playoff, third straight year, each year that Lincoln Riley's been the head coach and another Heisman finalist. Uh, your thoughts on Oklahoma, the overtime win over Baylor in the Big 12 championship game? I, I, came, I came away from that game just kind of just raving about the defenses. It really played against form. If you're, if you're a, yeah, believe the, the uh, Big 12 stereotype of wide open game, it's 30 to 23 in overtime, but it was a slobber knocker. I mean, you had uh, Baylor got two two quarterbacks knocked out. Oklahoma almost got beat by a third string quarterback. Kenneth Murray may have had the game of his life, a linebacker, 10 tackles, I think, three tackles for loss. He was shaken up during the game. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it, it looked like a line of scrimmage game. It looked like a, an SEC game. Whereas the SEC now is kind of turning into the Big 12, and that's another discussion. But Oklahoma, look, they rebounded from the Kansas State loss. They needed some help on the second last day of the season, and they got it from Oregon to beat Utah. Uh, I, they, they may have surpassed Utah anyway if they won the Pac-12, but that certainly made Big 12 game, a loserly time match, and they, they barely made it out of there. Uh, you know, trailing at halftime, Baylor ties it up late. Uh, at one point, at one point, that third string quarterback, Chip Jacob Zeno, was two out of three for 159 yards. So yeah. the game, so the game was just getting away from everybody at the end. It was, a, it was, it was a, a case of attrition for each team, but. You know, give credit to Lincoln Riley and the Sooners again. They, they find a way to do it. Uh, they are, you know, I, I think prohibitive underdogs in the football four. You got to play the game. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because now Utah is going to play Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and Utah's defense, Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator, getting a nice mm -hmm. new deal there with Utah. But uh, number one in FBS against the run. And Morgan Scally is probably one of the, the better stories in college football that, uh, you know, maybe not everyone knows about because he played at Utah with Eric Weddle uh, in the, at the safety position and then became a GA and then a, an assistant and then the recruiting coordinator, now the defensive coordinator. Uh, but your thoughts on Utah 
uh, going up against Texas and what kind of matchup that is. Yeah, I, I dug down deep on them last week before the championship game. They, they're you know, Talk about continuity. Uh, Scally and the head coach, Kyle Whittingham, those are two holdovers from Urban Meyer's team that went to the Fiesta Bowl in 2004. Scally was playing Alex then. Smith, Whittingham, yeah. Yeah, Alex Smith, Scally was playing, and Whittingham was, was Urban's defensive coordinator. To have that kind of holdover 14 years later is something. And they've built themselves. Kyle Whittingham is a defensive coach. They've got a couple, at least a couple of pros on that defense, one of them being defensive end Bradley and I, who you're, is going to be a factor. I, I call uh, him like a, a Chase Young Jr. He's that disruptive off the edge. And uh, offensively, they've just gotten better. Uh, the only game they lost prior to Oregon was that USC game when Zach Moss, their best back, got knocked out after six carries. And that kind of doomed their offensive effort. But he wants to be very physical. Um, Tyler Huntley is is the quarterback who I think was was second this year in, in accuracy, seventy five point five percent. Yeah, yeah, Burrow. So, yeah, yeah. so they're much more efficient on on offense than they were. It's not just defense. So they will be a tough physical out. You know, it will be a question as it is with all these games. Who wants to be there the most? And I don't know the answer to that question right now. Um, you know, Utah has to be disappointed. They didn't get when they when they didn't show up for Oregon, and subsequently didn't get a shot at the playoff. And you know, Texas just trying. Texas had to look ahead to next year. This would be a significant win for them over a quality team. Yeah, chance to get some momentum. Yeah, um, kind of like last year where they were big underdogs against Georgia. They get the win, and you're thinking, "Wow, here we go." As you said, Sam Ellinger saying on the podium after. Uh, Longhorn Nation, we're back. Yeah. And and so now Tom Herman's got to replace coordinators, a couple receivers, coaches, get a, a recruiting class secured starting December 18th, and then game plan for a, a Utah team that will will be a defensive Sudoku puzzle yeah. uh, for, a, for a team without an offensive coordinator. Although Tim Beck is still retained through the bowl game, so there is some continuity with regard to the offense um, at this point. So, Dennis, um, your thoughts on how big a runaway, I guess, it's going to be for Joe Burrow. Texas fans saw Joe Burrow up close early in the season, 31 of 39 against Texas, over 400 yards passing, and um, he just kept getting better. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's probably the number one story of the season, just the whole LSU thing. And Joe Burrow goes from 57% passer to the first player, first quarterback ever, first player ever, to if he stays at the top of the completion percentage, to complete 78%, which would be an all-time record, throw for 4,040 touchdowns. That's about as good as it gets. And, you know, the, the backstory is they got a new assistant coach, Joe Brady, who was named this week to uh, the winner of the Broyles Award, assistant coach of the year. Uh, and that seemed to change everything. He came over to the Saints as an offensive assistant. And right now, LSU runs the spread RPO better than anybody in the country. They've got the weapons. I, I didn't see Joe Burrow live until the Alabama game on November 9th. But it was worth the wait. He is 
he, he has to be appreciated live. You see his accuracy, you see his arm strength, you see his leadership, and you see his ability to run smart, although I haven't seen the kid slide yet. That'll be coached out of him at the next level, but I think that's what endears him to fans and teammates. He's going to take people on. So they're, they're number one. They're, you know, I guess the favorite by a lot of people. Uh, but it's it, the, the playoff, to me, is the best ever. Halfway through the contract, six out of 12 years. And three undefeated conference champions in Oklahoma. <laughs> Who, right. Oh, by the way, is uh, 12 and one. So this is going to be a good one. Yeah. LSU, a 13-point favorite, I think, early. Uh, and, and rising, yeah. Yeah, against Oklahoma. Um, Dennis, when you, you look at, uh, you know, what succeeds and what doesn't, you know, they say the big 12 is where defensive coordinators go to die Mm -hmm. because it's so difficult to defend. Um, just talk about what, you know, in terms of what Tom Herman has to attract, uh, in terms of a defensive coordinator, because not a lot of defensive coordinators want to go to the big 12. Yeah. Well, Alex Grinch did at Oklahoma. Um, he was not calling plays at Oklahoma. Uh, Greg Schiano was, so he he saw this as a chance to, you know, to jump into a program where he could call plays again. He was at Washington State and made a significant difference at Washington State. Uh, they became much more balanced between offense and defense, and then, you know, caught the brass ring at Oklahoma, where they went from 114th in total defense to 26. And we're just better across the board, allowing 117 yards less per game than last season. And that's why it really came to, it really became evident to me again in that Big 12 championship game where these guys were lining upright. They're very physical. They don't let one play get them down. Um, that's going to be hard for playing against LSU. But, but we're talking about a chip, you know, this. An Oklahoma defense that wasn't even lining up right in the 2018 uh, Texas OU game. Right. Um, and now they're, they're they're formidable. They're respectable. I don't know where you go get those guys because Alex Grinch was well respected, and Lincoln Riley identified him definitively, definitively, and went and got him, and it worked out. I, you know, I don't I don't know where you go get those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be uh, uh, a huge. I mean, I always say the offensive head coaches are going to be made or broken by their defensive coordinators yeah, and vice versa. Um, and, and to me, Bob Stoops always did a really good job of, of from a defensive perspective as a defensive minded head coach of bringing in the spread, but always keeping a couple tight ends and a fullback and yeah. the ability to pound you. And I think Lincoln Riley's done an amazing job of carrying that on. Well, let's, let's, we'll wrap it up with this, Dennis, um, Lincoln Riley. I mean, the Jerry Jones has all but fired Jason Garrett with the Cowboys. Has he? Has he, though? <laughs> I mean, my goodness, before Thanksgiving, he, it sure seemed, and the team yeah. has sure played like it since. This but, is a lingering death overtime. Oh, Sunday my gosh. Overtime. I mean, yeah. and now Jerry's being asked about Urban Meyer and whether he's already talked to him, and Jason Garrett's trying to get ready, you know, to while still leading the de- NFC East division. But nonetheless, um, do you see Lincoln Riley – as a, a possibility with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, do you think he's back at Oklahoma next year? I, I do think he's back. I will say this, uh, Matt rule and Lincoln Riley to the Cowboys were all the buzz 
over the weekend in Dallas because so, you know, so you know they look to these two guys who again played the type of game Saturday. Uh, it was a defensive contest, and you know Lincoln Riley's already known for his offensive chops. Matt Rule is a great program builder, and those guys' names were flying high, wide, and handsome. Urban Meyer. I was reminded that Urban Meyer a few weeks ago said somewhere or another. Somebody asked him about the Cowboys, and he said, yeah, you can't turn it down. It's like the Yankees or Notre Dame, when they come calling, you have to I think he'd take the job. I really do. Um, yeah. It's just a question of what is Jerry doing, what is Steve Jones doing. Uh, I think Urban's ready to go. And that, you know, I don't know what that says about USC, whether, whether Urban had been talking to the Cowboys all along and, and didn't get – or, or – what was written that the president didn't want urban, uh, but bad for USC, frankly, and, and good for the Cowboys to get, if they get him, get the gold standard. As far as Lincoln Riley, no, I think he's got, he's 36. He's got at least 30 more years as a head coach. He can do this anytime he wants to go to the NFL. Um, life is good right now for him. He can sit there at Oklahoma and compete for a national championship every year until further notice. And he hasn't broken through yet. I think he'd like to win one um, before trying the NFL, if that's ever a, a uh, you know, something he wants to do. But look, if Jerry Jones back backs the truck up and offers ten million plus, you know, his wife Caitlin goes, you know, this is nice, but we got to look at this, Lincoln. At which point, I'm sure Joe Castiglione and OU would match if it's ten million. I have no no reason to believe they wouldn't. Um, so it could get interesting, you know. I'm, I think he's going to be there. Well, I just think he's got un unaccomplished so, uh, things to do, and wants to establish himself. Frankly, as a as a head coach, it's yeah. only been three years, right. so I think he stays. Yeah. Dennis, great stuff as always. Always enjoy the conversation, my friend. Um, if I don't talk to you before then. Merry Christmas, Chip. You too. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. There he is, Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. Great stuff there. Always fun, Taylor. And, of course, Horns 24-7. Are you kidding me? As a member at Horns 24-7, you get Bobby Burton, the guy who started Rivals.com, uh, sold it to Yahoo, and then started 24-7 Sports, sold it to CBS uh, Sports Interactive, and lives on the Texas site here at Horns 24-7. So uh, Bobby is a proud UT grad, much like my co-host here, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, I will say, if Graham Harrell becomes the offensive coordinator at Texas, he crushed my dreams when I was in school. So oh, man. that's going to be interesting to watch. Is he going to crush Texas twice? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll oh, see. Uh, let's hope not. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you never know. Yeah, you never, never know. Um, all right, Taylor, we'll uh, we we went super long with Bobby, so we'll wrap it up here. Listen, keep the faith, Texas Longhorns fans. Keep the faith, and keep it at Horns twenty four seven for all the latest. Um, Taylor, any any parting thoughts? You know, I think uh, there's a lot going on, no doubt about it right now. Um, but, you know, it just this the situation that Tom Herman has put himself in has is a make or break situation for him. You know, it's it's his his future is on the line by 
finding the right guys to replace the coordinators that he just let go of or, you know, reassigned in Tim Beck. So it's going to be, uh, he put himself out in this island and see if uh, he ends up being a castaway or if he can crawl his way back to his uh, civilization. So we'll see about that. That's right. We'll see if he has more friends than just a volleyball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the water. Uh, and, and again, um, kudos and congratulations to Jeff Trailer, the former Texas assistant who gets the UTSA head coaching job and, uh, and quickly snatched up um, um, Matt Maddox, the former uh, offensive coordinator for Sterling Gilbert at McNeese right. to, uh, to come be his uh, running game coordinator at UTSA. So, looks like he's starting to put some of that Charlie Strong staff back together again. Old gang is coming back together. <laughs> oh, but uh, congrats to Jeff Trailer. All right, everybody, get uh, get into that Christmas spirit. Uh, have some eggnog. Get those presents wrapped, or go shopping maybe before you do that. And uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to episode 10 of The Flagship. We'll see you at horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.